0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wuhan Jiao podcast. This is your host, Krista. I am so excited that you have joined me today because I get to introduce you to my friend Paul Demina. Let me tell you a little bit about Paul before we welcome him onto the podcast. So, Paul and his family moved from the U.S. to China in the year 2000 um, with the hopes of making a positive impact on the people there. Um, His wife Cheryl is a family doctor in Wuhan and she practiced in the States before they moved to China. Um, A little bit about Paul's background, he um, got his undergrad degree in chemical engineering from NJIT and before coming to China he did research for a pharmaceutical company in New Jersey. Um, Paul and Cheryl are parents to four amazing kids, two of which are in the States. Um, The oldest is graduated and looking for a job in L.A., and the second oldest is a nursing major at Villanova. They also have an eighth grader and a sixth grader with them in Wuhan. So when the Daminas moved to China in 2000, um, they realized that by making a small impact on China, the Chinese people would multiply it to make a greater impact there and around the world. Um, And they've helped to launch an international school, a family medicine clinic, a senior care service, and now they're working on launching a counseling center, all since moving to China. Needless to say, these people are incredible. I have really loved getting to know the whole Damina family um, since my time moving to Wuhan. They are truly, truly amazing, and it is such a privilege for me to um, get to interview him on this podcast. So um, I am proud to introduce you to my friend Paul. Let's welcome him onto the podcast. All right. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thank you. It's great to be here.
0: I'm so excited that you could join me here today. So I'm really excited about asking you about the first question, which is to name your three favorite things about Wuhan. It can be serious or funny, but only three things.
1: Okay. Three favorite things. Number 1, doupi. Number oh. 2. Yeah, doupi is a type of uh, food. It's um Sticky yes. rice with egg and, and tofu and all kinds of other good things. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Uh, safety. Yeah. Wuhan's a safe place. I like being in Wuhan, safety. And most of all, number three is the people, people of Wuhan. Mm.
0: Yes. We love Wuhan so much. I, I really miss Dopey. That's one thing that I'm definitely going to go right back and get as soon as we get back <laughs> there.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So transitioning into a little bit about what is happening specifically right now in Wuhan with the the virus and everything, I would love if you could share about how many days you have specifically been in quarantine now. I'm really curious to know that. And then um, just how has Wuhan as a city itself been impacted um, by this virus outbreak? What kinds of things have you seen change and just the city itself being impacted? Could you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, we've been uh, in lockdown for seven weeks now. It's been almost 49 days. Really, today is the seventh end of the seventh week, uh, whereas uh, you can't uh, travel. The, the subways are closed, buses are closed, and taxis shut down, things like that, but then also the airport and train station, so it's not, not able to leave the city. Uh, about two weeks into the lockdown, they actually instituted a, a complete Lockdown on our community as well And most apartment complexes Around the city uh, You're not able to leave the apartment complex So that means You can't even uh, go out to go to the grocery store Which is inconvenient But actually it makes sense Because that's probably where Most of the you know, spread of the virus Will be taking place You're in a close, close quarters With all those people in the grocery store Buying stuff right. so, so they needed to, to stop that as well Of course, that leads to the question of how in the world do you get food (laughs) if you can't go to the grocery store? But they've uh, arranged all these. um, Each community has a community committee, which is responsible for uh, arranging group purchasing. So what they do is they send out on WeChat, which is a a social media platform here. They send out a, a, a menu, kind of like a list sets a b c d and you could choose you know any or all of them and you order it one day and about two days later the food is is here you come and, and you go pick it up it comes to our community
0: nice yeah
1: so that's uh, it's been really convenient there and in addition to that you could also there are uh stores like walmart and other small shops who have other things not their whole you know uh, inventory but they have other things that you can order to to supplement what you get from the group, the, the community group orders. So we've really had, we've had no problem, you know, getting enough food. We can't always get the things uh, that we want, you know, but as Mick Jagger says, you might not always get what you want, but you get what you need. So, you know, it's okay. It's been, uh, it's been good. And, um, we've, we had all, we've, and it's been interesting because, you know, as a result of not having all the things you normally have, uh, we end up, uh, my wife is really good at, at being very creative at trying to figure out what goes with what, you know, and having creative uh, new ideas for meals. Oh, so it's been. Yeah,
0: right. I'm sure you got to be really creative with that.
1: Yeah. So that's been that's been good. And um, in addition to food, you know, anything else we need, we're able to we're able to get. It's just a little harder, but it's it's not that bad. And uh, the kids, uh, we have two kids who are with us here at, at our house. Two of our kids are grown up and uh, are, are left the house They're back in the States, but uh, two of our younger kids are with us. They do their schooling online. Our international school has done, shifted to online learning for the, for the time being. Uh, we have, uh, my wife and I meet with our team online. We do meetings that way, and we're able to do some things, and uh, thankfully in my home I've got a, a treadmill and a pull-up bar so I can still do exercising, and uh, so things like that. And, we have a patio where my son is able to practice his basketball even. <laughs> so, it's been
0: interesting. <laughs> okay. of loud, yes.
1: but interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, life goes on in different ways, but life goes on.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I have not... Um, I didn't touch base with you about this before the podcast, but I have seen that you were able to have a part in, um, getting a special delivery of medical supplies from the States. Mm, And I was really, really hoping you could tell us a little bit about that, like how that came about the need for it. And then what, what that impact has been like since the medical supplies arrived.
1: Yes. Yes. We, uh, early on in the, uh, lockdown, it became clear that, uh, Hospitals and community volunteers really needed more personal protective equipment: uh, suits, you know, these Tyvek suits and masks and uh, goggles, things like that. And so we started asking uh, people we know overseas if they could uh, help us with the ship, make a shipment of these materials uh, from overseas. The problem is uh, this uh, lockdown occurred just at the just before Chinese New Year. And every year in China, just before Chinese New Year, like the month before Chinese New Year, factories, they, they really stop working. They really slow down production. Uh, and then, so that was happening. The companies that make these things, they hadn't been working in weeks. Then there's Chinese New Year, and then there was the lockdown. So there was a tremendous, shor- all of a sudden there's a tremendous need, but also a tremendous shortage of personal protective equipment here. So just to fill in the gap between the time that they needed it and the time that you could Start working again on the on the factories. We just needed a uh, a shipment of uh, personal protective equipment. So we were able to find some uh, donors in the states who donated uh, over 140,000 masks uh, and uh, some about wow. four or five thousand gowns as well. And so a project like that, you have to first you have to find the stuff, then you have to find a way to get the stuff here, yeah. and then you have to find a way to distribute it to the people who are most in need. So it's really three parts of the project, and uh, our team got together, and we, uh, our team, and also a team from our international school and a local coffee shop also got involved. We all worked together, and um, we were able to get these things over here. A company called Sinotrans shipped them, uh, and Air China shipped them for free. We just had to pay like the fuel surcharge tax, and, and then we had them. They flew them to Shanghai, and then from Shanghai, we were able to take them by truck to a hunt. but then we still had to get them to six different hospitals who needed them and we had to divide oh up the shipment goodness. so wow. we had to ask special permission to be able to leave and we needed a place to do that right so thankfully since our school is not being used at the moment we were able to yeah. get permission to use the, uh, the lobby of our theater uh, it was a big open space a very high ceiling perfect for it and uh, right near the road right near the driveway so we were able to park mm-hmm. the truck there but our our school doesn't have a pallet jack, we're not a warehouse, so we had to actually unload 13 pallets of boxes by hand onto the oh my ground, goodness. sort them out, it was 740 boxes, we had some people helping us, and it was a fun day, it was good to be able to get out of the house for, for the first time in several weeks, but got over to the school and and got to, uh, uh, sh- you know, organize that shipment. And now they've been delivered, all of the hospitals have come and kind of picked up their, their parts of the shipment and... And they've been a, a blessing to the people in the hospital. So it's, it's been good. It was a lot of work. It was a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. But it was, uh, it was really worth it. It was, it was very rewarding.
0: Yeah, the other cool that's, thing is
1: since we got to get out to the school, I was able to raid the refrigerators in the school, and I found a box of Magnum <laughs> bars.
0: That's amazing. So that's I love that.
1: Bars. So I, I was able to get four Magnum bars.
0: Ooh, yes, your treat. That's amazing that you were able to get all the supplies and bring them over. I think that's an incredible story.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was a very, I learned a lot. I learned a lot doing that. Yeah.
0: I'm also curious about how this is impacting you, um, yourself and your family, um, just in your daily life, I guess, but also emotionally being, your kids being away from their friends and away from school and um, yeah, just everything being shutting, shut down and having to be at home. How is this impacting you and your family?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's good and bad. There's, um, it's obviously, it's obviously frustrating, uh, to be stuck inside and and it's uh, especially sad for the kids not being able to hang out with their friends, play basketball outside do stuff outside. And, and, uh, um, in our community, in, in our lifestyle, living overseas, you know, when you have something like this happen, sometimes people leave and they don't come back, you know, and that's really hard for the kids because it's very important for kids, you know, if, if their friends are going to leave, for them to have a good time of closure, be able to say goodbye and really mm. celebrate that time together. And then all of a sudden, some of their friends, they left, you know, for Chinese New Year thinking they're going on vacation, but then... They, some of those kids aren't going to come back at all, and they'll never see them again, so that's really hard you know, when you see that happening oh, yeah. um but it's you know there's also there's also a good side to it you know and it's the way we get to spend a lot more time together as a family uh we're able to be together for every meal you know I spend more time and we help each other help each other out with things and my wife and I can help each help the kids out with this, with their schooling and um You know, we get to spend a lot more time together and there is a there's a sense of there's more of a sense of peace of being inside, not always rushing out somewhere else. And so so there's good and bad. Another good thing is we've really got to meet a lot more people in our community. Just been Mm. it's been you know, we've lived in this apartment for over 10 years now and we've met our our neighbors in our stairway, but we really never knew anyone else outside. Of our building and uh, now because of the purchasing groups you know we have to talk to each other online all the time and we re- report our body temperature twice a day <laughs> supposed to, oh, wow. yeah and so you get to you get to know people you know and I've made several friends several connections uh, one guy a Chinese guy said in, in the group he said I've lived here ten years and never met anyone now I know everyone that was really cool
0: <laughs> that's awesome Wow, that's not something I would have expected to come out of this, but that's really beautiful. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in closing, my last couple of questions, they kind of go together, but um, how can people elsewhere support you, in, you guys there in Wuhan? And then what do you want the rest of us to know? How would you educate the rest of us if you could tell us anything? Those kind of, I guess, go hand in hand and how we can support you and what you want us to know.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, I think personally, I feel like, you know, Wuhan, uh, we have uh, gone through this lockdown. Uh, the people of Wuhan have willingly gone through this lockdown in order to really help the rest of China and help the rest of the world. You know, the, the fact that we were stuck inside, what it does is it, it, it makes the number of cases, it makes the, the, the epidemic be more serious here in Wuhan. But it limits, it slows the growth of the epidemic around the world. So really one of the, I just think it would be great, you know, for people to recognize the sacrifice of the people of Wuhan, but also take steps to be prepared, you know, to be prepare themselves for protecting themselves and their communities from this spread. Otherwise, everything we've done is in vain. So, you know, it's really, you know, to be, just be aware, you know, not panic, but be wise in the way uh, you go about your daily business, you know, and, uh, trying to make sure you don't spread the virus, catch it yourself or spread it to others you know, like hand washing and and uh, not being you know just keeping keep your hands away from your face, things like that uh, there's simple things you could do to help prevent the spread of any virus, especially this one mm-hmm. so that's a good way to you know to really make this whole thing worthwhile as if the rest of the world learns from the example of Wuhan and take steps to prevent the spread of this virus so that soon it'll be a memory around the world. It will no longer be an issue anywhere, which is really what we hope for. I just think it's, you know, as I read news about, you know, China, about Wuhan, uh, I don't always see stories about just the attitude of the people here that are just really, uh, they're going through this willingly, they really see it as our duty, duty to the rest of China, the rest of the world. And there's a sense of, there's a real strong sense of community that's developed uh, as a result of this. There's not a lot of complaining, um, uh, you know, from the people here. Uh, it's really more like, yeah, we need to do this. We need to protect our families, need to protect our country and protect the world. And just people here just see it as, yeah, this is what we have to do. And um, so I don't really see that in the news a lot, but I think it's really an important aspect of uh, the people of Wuhan, what they've what they've gone through. And um, what they're doing for the people of the world and you know, it's uh, there's there's I've seen uh, I've seen community like a community spirit and a help In a way that I hadn't seen before very often uh, It's common in, in a Chinese family to help you help everyone in your family as much as possible But sometimes people outside your family you don't necessarily think about their needs but here uh, lately I've seen people in the community helping each other in really amazing ways. You know, one person, their phone was broken, they needed a new phone, and someone else said, oh, I have an extra phone. I'll bring it down Do you, leave it outside your apartment door. um, Sharing resources, sharing food. We had early on, we had a neighbor uh, bring us some food because she knew that I didn't know how to work the the community (laughs) purchasing system. It took me a little while to figure out how to do all that. So they brought us food and stuff. So it's really been just an amazing Uh, example of community spirit that has developed as a result of this.
0: Wow, I really love that you shared all of that, especially because that's really one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is to share the things that not everybody really hears about and really gets to know about just by watching the news. And so by talking to people like you and hearing the real stories of what's really happening, we get to kind of share with the world um, an inside scoop and just support Wuhan and really to rile together and, um, yeah, fight against this virus together and to um, thank the people of Wuhan for their resilience and their community um, during this time. So I really appreciate you speaking to all of those things. It means a lot.
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity.
0: Yeah, and then just kind of in reminiscence about the Wuhan that we all know and love, I'd love to ask just one more closing question um, sure. Of for you. What is your favorite memory in Wuhan? You've been living there for quite some time, and I'm sure you have quite a few memories uh, there raising four kids. Uh, but if you could choose maybe one, I'm sure you have many, Um but if you could choose one off the top of your head, what would be one of your favorite memories in Wuhan?
1: <laughs> yes, I have many favorite <laughs> memories here. Um, I, well, let's see. You know, the, uh, everyone knows you teach at a school, and uh, yeah. it was something we, we. It was difficult to get it registered, to get it licensing, all the process, you know, getting through the red tape of getting all the application process. It took us several years, and it was a very difficult. It was much harder than. Shipping uh, personal protective equipment. <laughs> from yeah. And <laughs> uh, there was uh, in, in the process of I know, several years of working through this, um, there are ups and downs. But then one day in January of 2010, I got a call on my phone from the director of our education bureau. He doesn't usually call me on the phone, but he called me on the phone, and he said, "Paul, I got a special, I got an early Chinese New Year present for you." I was like, "What?" He said. Your school license has been approved. Like, whoa, it was uh, wow. oh, jumping for joy. So yeah. I remember where I was, I received the call, and it was just, it was such a, a happy day.
0: Yeah. That is definitely, definitely should be on your favorite memory list. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much again, Paul, for uh, coming on this podcast and just really. um, encouraging us and, um, just sharing a lot so we can be educated about how to support Wuhan. So I really appreciate it. It's such, it's really, really such a privilege and an honor to have you here.
1: Well, I've been thankful to have the opportunity. Thanks for asking me.
0: Yeah. And I miss you guys so much, your whole family. I can't wait to see you again in Wuhan when I can be back.
1: Yes. Someday soon. We'll look forward to seeing you here too.
0: Thank you so much again for joining me today on this episode of the Wuhan Dayo podcast. It was such a privilege just to speak with Paul and I hope an encouragement um, to those of you listening. So I'll see you guys next time. Bye.